God every day. Every day. Every day. I will spend time with God. I will pray. I will pray. 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 I will pray. I will be holy. I will be holy. 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 I will be holy. I will be holy. I will fulfill God's purpose for me and my generation. My generation. My generation. I will fulfill God's purpose. God's purpose for my generation. For me and my generation. My generation. I will live the vow. You know, today, if you, were to, if you were to look back, most of you are ages 18 and 25. You're eight, if you're age 18 and 25, raise your hand, let me see. All right, there you go. Overwhelming majority, with the exception of our incredibly increasing aging staff. Uh, just joking. All right. Um, you're 18 to 25 years old, and a decade from now, a decade's going to go by fairly quickly. And when you, today, obviously it's easy through social networking to get in touch with old buds, and uh, I think if we were to look right now, right now when I look back at people a decade later, or if you were to look at a decade later from now, uh, I bring this scenario up often because it's a measurement by which we see our success in God. We see how over time we've grown or uh, we've seen what God's done in our lives. We see the fruit, the evidence of Christ in us. One of the things that we, I think we would often, that we often see that I see when I look back uh, and I look at people and I, that, you know, you go back at, I had people uh, Facebooking me today that I haven't heard of and heard from in years. And you go back, and you've heard me say this over and over again, but overwhelmingly, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised, I'm shocked by the level of uh, disillusionment with the gospel, by the level of um, uh, just recreation and excitement about the world in which we live. Uh, there's just such delight found in um, so many godless things. And, and, and realistically, there's a lot of meaninglessness in the sense that uh, over and over again, when, I, when, I'm, when I'm talking to people and seeing it, I see so many that uh, they've got pictures of, of, of just kind of a, a life that they're just living. It doesn't necessarily mean much. They're not on mission. They're not devoted. It's just kind of, well, of course, this is how life is. It usually involves a little bit of education, um, a, lot of, a lot of sarcasm, typically um, a, a lot of uh, pictures of partying. Uh, that's really common, some form of partying that could be on the beach, that could be after a football game, that could be with friends, that could be however, but there's, that's usually a common photo that I see, and, and I think, I think, to my, I find myself so often brokenhearted, so often kind of looking at that and thinking uh, how, how, how painful and how sad for us a decade from now uh, to not live with uh, consecration, to not live set apart onto a purpose, to not live with a mission. And I want to just tell you tonight that unless you're intentional about it, that will be you. Uh, as much as you say, well, you know, probably not. That's no, not probable. You, there, you do live in a war zone. There is an enemy. He is a, a roaring lion. He is out to destroy you. And the lusts of the age are going to attack you with all that they have. And tonight, I want to talk to you about the benefit, the benefit of a band of brothers or a group of friends or an accountability group or whatever you want to call it, but a tribe of people, a group of friendships that you're connected with that will help you to sustain uh, fervency and diligence and consecration over the decade to come. I want to talk to you about the people that are sitting around you, those people right around you. I'm talking actual faces. I'm not talking theoretically tonight, but I'm talking about people that are in your accountability group this semester. People right here and right now who you're connected with, because every single one of you is in an accountability group, and some of you have responded with a desire to engage. Other of you have responded with kind of an arrogant spirit that's kind of like, well, they forced me to be in this group. We'll see what happens kind of thing. And, uh, 
And I want to talk to you tonight about the level to which you engage. The level to which you engage in your accountability group specifically. And I want to talk a little bit about why. Why engage in an accountability group? Why are we doing this? I, 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 I find it intriguing when you look even at history, at, at, at groups of people who unite around Jesus. Say Jesus. They unite around Jesus as their purpose and their mission. You see, uh, right now, Barna says that about, there's about 16, George Barna, he, he, he's a statistician, and uh, he creates stats, and he studies the church. And he says there's about 16% of Christians right now that are really devoted. 16% that really um, are, are following hard after God. And he says there's another category, 66%, which are um, Christian when it's convenient. And because it provides a group of uh, a friendship or maybe it helps them with their morality or maybe uh, it, 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 it helps them on a track of the good life, a good life in America as part of a cultural thing, that 66% of Christians really are living in, as kind of a casual Christian. And so the reason why I throw those statistics at you is because 66% is a high number. And realistically, what I have found is that unless you are diligent to get other people around you to, to encourage, help, support, and call you to righteousness, undoubtedly, you will slip into that 66%. And so tonight, I want to talk about how do you do it? I mean, we've got David Perkins for a long time saying, hey, a decade from now, you don't want to be one of these people. But okay, how do you do it when it comes to friendships? Obviously, we hit, we've been hitting hard, I mean hard, we've been talking about desperate pursuit and spending time alone with Jesus every day and having your heart alive. We've been talking a lot about the necessity and the importance of prayer. Dan Perkins has been hitting hard, hard, hard talking about prayer and why it matters and why do it. And tonight, I want to kind of start to go into a new world. We're talking about being consecrated and set apart, and I want to hit on the necessity of friendships. I want to hit on the necessity of a band of friends that help you walk in righteousness. I, I, as, as you know, in 2001, when we were dreaming up the furnace and we came up with the name, you know, the furnace, and we named it that because in the dictionary it says a hot place, and that just sounded sweet because most of the single people back then. And so uh, we started the, the furnace, and this was that, we were going to call it the furnace, and it had nothing to do with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or, Shmet, or a Rack Shack and Benny. It has nothing to do with that. I know people ask me all the time, so is this something like Shadrach, Meshach? No, it has nothing to do with that. It was just we wanted to be a fellowship of burning hearts. We wanted it to be a hot place. We wanted it to be fiery, passionate going after Jesus kind of thing. And, 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 and one of the great inspirations, you've heard us talk a lot about the Moravians, but one of the inspirations in my life uh, was the story of John Wesley. And so John Wesley was a young man that sought after God with diligence. And it's interesting because he got a group of guys around him uh, when he was at Oxford. He was a university student at Oxford, so he was your age, going to Oxford. And, and in his desire to pursue God, and it, it played out into a disciplined life. So much so that the name Methodist was actually placed upon he and his buzz as a, as a way of mocking them. And so sometimes they'd call them like Bible moths or sometimes the Methodist. Luckily for the Methodist movement, the word Methodist stuck. But anyway, um, and, so, and so they were the Methodists. And so, here's, so the way that they lived their lives at Oxford, college students, obviously co Oxford isn't an easy school. So all of the things that I'm about to say are in addition to them working jobs and pursuing an education. But he and his buddies got together and they fasted every Wednesday and every Friday. College students fasted every Wednesday and Friday. They took weekly communion together. It was a group of about, never, about 20. Never did they allow it to go more than 25. About 20 of them normally kind of ebb and flow a little bit smaller, a little bit bigger. Uh, they did a nightly Bible study together, reading the scriptures and studying the scriptures together in their dorm rooms. 
took, you know, turns in different guys' dorm rooms. And then uh, in their latter years, as they got older, um, into their latter education, they even began uh, weekly to systematically go and visit the, the people in the hospitals and the prisons. And so, and so this disciplined life, obviously they developed the nickname of Methodist because they were so ritualistic and they did it so systematically. But what's interesting is that when you look at this group of guys that were just college boys, we're just talking about their college years, no, no teachers involved, nobody you know, trying to make them do it, no, no you know, old man in his 30s trying to set up an internship kind of concept, just a, just a group of buddies, just John Wesley who was incredibly godly, uh, and we all know that because he was only five foot three, which makes him for sure have some inherent godliness within him, and because um, God loves short people more than anything. But anyway, so John Wesley, John Wesley gets these guys around him, and they begin to live this way. And I just, I just imagine what would happen if you know years later they were Facebooking each other. Now I understand, without a doubt, you can't Facebook a couple hundred years ago. But just imagine if you could. Just imagine if you could, you know, Facebook and see what are the boys doing, you know. John and Charles Wesley, they were brothers, and they're missionaries to America. They're leading the Great Awakening. Just imagine if you could go, hey, I wonder what the old boys are doing. I remember the, the days where we would fast on Wednesdays and Fridays, and we study the scriptures at night together, and we would pray together and crowd together and go to the hospitals and visit, you know, people in the, in the prisons, and we were just going after God with strength. I wonder what would happen to me if you, could, if you could actually look back and see, I wonder where those guys are today. Let's see, because I know in my life, I've been, I've been a part of Christian internships or a prayer group since I was 12. I mean, I was, I've been a part of something with a group of people where we're going, let's go after God. And over and over and over again, I, I can't believe my, my level of like, no, where are they now? What's happening? And over and over again, how common it is for so many to go their own way. And so that's why I don't look at you and candy coat this and say, uh, it could be many of you because based upon my last decade or so of experience, it is true. It is true that the ways of the day, the ways of this world, I mean, the lusts of the age, get, put their hook and pull so many into sin. And a decade from now, it is so easy to be so off course. So I want you to spend time with Jesus daily because I believe that to be critical. I want you to be a man or a woman of prayer because I believe that to be critical. And tonight I want to hit on this. I believe that you connecting with people with like heart and like mission is so important. If John Wesley and his brother go, I wonder where the boys are. Well, John, Charles Wesley is writing songs. He's one of the great hymn writers of their day. Church leader and a missionary. John Wesley becomes a preacher, missionary, church planner. Helps lead an awakening in America. John Gambold later became a Moravian bishop. You've heard us talk about the Moravians. The Moravians were taking place at the same time, the Moravian revival. He became one of the lead pastors in the Moravian revival. James Harvey or Hervey was one of the guys. He becomes a famous Christian author of the day. Benjamin Ingham, another guy in the Holy Club, becomes a great evangelist. Thomas Brom worked in Anglican missions organizations, so he goes and helps... Uh, missionaries, and of course, you all know George Whitfield. George Whitfield, the famous missionary, he goes and helps usher in the Great Awakening in America. I think that if we look at just that fact, just the way that it kind of portrayed there, we could we could look and say there was something alive in the heart of these guys, something that they did right. And tonight, I just want to say that there was a they were united around the mission of Jesus. 
And, and that uniting around the mission of Jesus as a group of people, as a community, as a tribe, as a, as a, as a holy club even in that day. Of course, we would never call anything a holy club now because people would smirk at it. But you get the big idea. A desire to be set apart, a desire to live different, a desire to define the way that we live life on planet Earth in a way that's far different than the culture. It has something, something, something. They were united around a mission. They were united around a person, united around Jesus. I mean, so much so that we might look at it and so many would go, oh man, that's extremism. Listen to the questions they ask each other. They ask each other 22 questions. I don't know if I'll make it through all of these, but let me just give you some of them so you can find the severity of how much they were pursuing this. Number one, am I consciously or unconsciously creating the impression that I'm better than I really am? In other words, am I a hypocrite? Number two, am I honest in my acts and words, or do I exaggerate? Do I confidentially pass on what was told to me in confidence? Can I be trusted? Am I a slave to dress, friends, work, or habits? Am I self-conscious, self-pitying, or self-justifying? Did the Bible live in me today? That's a good one. Did I give it time to speak to me every day? Am I enjoying prayer? When did I last speak to someone else about my faith? Do I pray about every dollar that I spend? Do I get to bed on time and get up on time? Do I disobey God in any area of my life? Do I insist upon doing something about which my conscience is uneasy? Am I defeated in any part of my life? Am I jealous, impure, critical, irritable, touchy, or distrustful? How do I spend spare spare time? Am I proud? Do I thank God that I'm not as other people, especially as the Pharisees who despise the... Is there anyone whom I fear? Dislike, disown, criticize, hold a resentment toward or, or disregard? Do I grumble or complain? Is Christ real to me? So they sit around and ask these questions to each other. I mean, we're not talking like, like we do, smile on our face, kind of vague, and anybody can answer. We're talking, pew, 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 and you're like, goo, 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 goo. I mean, realistically, that, that level of accountability, that level of asking those questions. And so when you join the furnace and you're part of this group, you get in here, and you're trying to figure out how these things work, and you're part of the accountability group. And by the way, lots of people quit because of the accountability groups, but I've always said this is so important for us. A lot of people say, I don't want to sit around and talk about how is Christ alive in me. I don't want to talk about, is there anything that I did that looked like it could be, you know, perceived as, as unrighteous or ungodly. You know, I, I, don't, I, don't want, I don't want that kind of person in my life. And those people need to quit. Because what we want here in this environment it's a group of people that have already just said, I'm enough dead to myself. I'm enough dead to, you know, those desires. I want somebody who loves Jesus with a burning heart to look into my heart and to ask me these questions. Because here's the reality. With you, I become stronger. Without you, I pull back and slowly become weaker. The nature of the way that we do life together as a community of faith, the nature of the way that Christians work together is that one person, Christ doing a miracle in them, them in our midst makes all of us stronger. What Christ is doing. And on our own, by ourselves, we easily pull back and justify lethargy in our minds. But today, the nature of my, my journey and my life is I'm stronger because Tyrell's in my life and asking today, hey, what, what, how is everybody doing with fasting? What's going on in your, in your heart with fasting? I'm stronger when I see Kyle leading prayer, leading worship over at Every Home for Christ. I'm stronger 
uh, as a result of different people in our lives. Jonathan Miller, who serves and works extremely hard. So when I see that, when Ryan leads worship, all right, all of us together, when we see those things in each other, what happens? We have the capacity to grow stronger as a result of hanging out together and doing life together. Being together. I believe the unique element that makes us strong is this. It's what? It's, it's Jesus. It's, it's, Jesus is our common bond. And Jesus is this thing. Jesus as our common bond will sustain us. Uh, hobbies like, say, uh, basketball or football or um, all of the different reasons why people gather doesn't have sustaining power. But connected around the miracle of Christ and Christ in you and what Christ has done inside of you, connecting with each other, and you become stronger as a result of what Christ has done in another person, what Christ is doing in another person. I, I, I think, you know, if we could only even begin to try to imagine the, even the disciples united around the mission of Jesus. Obviously, we're familiar here. The disciples do life with Jesus. I mean, we're talking they actually get to do life, hanging out with Jesus, feeding 5,000, seeing Lazarus raised from the dead. Jesus walks on water, Canaanite woman, you know, healed, or given them the miracle, the woman with the issue of blood healed, all the different stories. And so they're, you can imagine they're doing life together for three years. I mean, honestly, loving Jesus, spending time with him, knowing him. And I wonder if, the, if, the, if you could look, you know, a decade or 20 years after they're disbanded, they've done life together, Andrew says of Andrew that Andrew preached to the modern day to modern day Bulgaria was crucified on an olive tree for the faith Bartholomew had the strength to preach in India crucified with his head downward James son of Alphaeus stoned to death in Jerusalem while preaching the gospel James son of Zebedee according uh, to Acts Herod kills him while he's preaching the gospel John, brother of James, son of Zebedee, exiled on the island of Patmos, literally, you know, goes in exile for his faith. Simon Peter, founder of the Roman church, put to death under Nero. Philip preached the gospel, executed in what is today known as, as Turkey. Thomas speared to death in India while preaching the gospel. So when you look at these guys, even beyond, I mean, the threat of obviously cultural sin I mean they've got Nero and people trying to actually take their lives and they actually end up giving their lives for, for the cause for Jesus I don't doubt the strength by which they gain and they have by the knowledge when Peter's in Rome and another's in Turkey that my boy James my friend who hung out with me and Jesus he's out taking the gospel as well and the knowledge of them pressing ahead gain strength for the one that's about to give his life in Rome. Does that make sense? And there's great strength. There's great strength in a brotherhood or a sisterhood of believers or friends that say, we're going to charge this hill. We're going to go after this. We're going to follow Jesus with everything. In uh, May, I was in Los Angeles and was sitting with um, uh, one of my, my dad's friends guy that went to seminary with my dad and I was just talking to him he was I was sitting in the uh, passenger seat and he was driving we were driving around Los Angeles and I began to just ask him questions 
And the man in his 60s, I could not believe how much he sounded just like my father. He's a pastor in Los Angeles. He's reaching out to the destitute and the poor and the broken. And he began to talk about making disciples in a way that sounded like the very man that I grew up listening to. I mean, it was unbelievable. And the, the, the life in his, in his heart and his eyes, he was filled with God. And I just was like, I just, I couldn't even believe it. And towards the end, as we, you know, got to the end of the ride, he started to talk to me about, he started to tell me stories about how he and my dad and another friend of theirs named Dan, who's now uh, 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 the leader of, the, of, of, of missions and, and prayer for that denomination, how they used to sit in the seminary uh, cafeteria and dream together. And he would literally dream about making disciples of all nations in Matthew 28. And when you listen to them, now they're in their 60s and, and they've got the same DNA, they've got the same thing coming alive in their heart as when they were 24 years old, sitting in a seminary somewhere, praying together, dreaming together, let's take the nations together. I, I, I went to uh, the the ARC conference, it's a church planning conference, and uh, started to pay attention to some of the guys that have planted churches, some of the biggest churches in America today, recognized and famed for um, successful church planting and reaching their, their big churches today. And it's interesting because some of the largest churches in America right now are being, were, were planted and are being pastored by a, by a band of buddies that were all on staff at a mega church in Baton Rouge. And today when you go in their church, they all have a passion for the lost and the things are similar. The way they do things are similar. There's a vibe, there's a culture, there's a language. It's a group of buddies that started to pray, ask God what to do, group of buddies, okay, God, send us. We won't stay here where it's comfortable. We're going to go out, and we're going to start with nothing. We're going to go to the cities all across the southeast, and we're going to plant, and we're going to just go for it. Similar vibes, and there's this band of brothers as one is planting a church in Birmingham, and another one's, you know, planting one in Arkansas, another one planting one in Florida, or a band of brothers, some, you know, pastors, they're saying, you know, one's in New Jersey, and one's in Kansas City, and one's in Los Angeles, and we're going to make disciples. And yet it so happened, it's so interesting, the common thread, where you're talking about uh, John Wesley or even the young men that followed Jesus, which mostly were probably in their late teens and early 20s, or seminarians, or staff members at a church. There's this thing that I just keep finding, and it's this. It's this culture of connectedness and common bond that says we unite around Jesus in our young years, and we're going to go for it. We're going to give all. We're going to give everything. And there's friendships that a decade later are calling each other to righteousness. A decade later, are helping each other as we plant churches. A decade later, as we make disciples. A decade later, as we maybe even lose our lives in Turkey or Rome or wherever. It does not have to be, it does not have to be the common way for a decade from now for 60% of this tribe to be given over to complete absolute lethargy doesn't have to be may it be that may it be of us may it be of this group that, that these little things that we're doing like trying to pray through the day or get in vans and go reach a generation or, or, or come together and cry out night after night after night in corporate intercession or study the scriptures together 
May it be that in these years, right here, right now, you, and I'm not talking about something that we do for you. I'm talking about you, what you form, what you create. May it be that there's a band of girls that say together, we, as for us, this is what God, who God is. This is what he said. This is his word. And may all of our days we give ourselves to God in this way. I see it right now with uh, my sister. It's interesting. A decade ago, she and some of her little friends were like, hey, you know, we want to we be a part of this little prayer movement, and our dream is to pray night and day. And a decade, a decade later goes by, we know it now as the IHOP House of Prayer in Kansas City, but those same little 19-year-old girls that right then seemed kind of crazy and out there, and you're like, you're going to pray through the night <laughs> every day. Okay, you're like back in those days, a decade later, they've sustained a prayer life, and there's thousands and thousands that are leading. Why not us? Why not you? Why are we, why, why are we here? What are we here for? Is, are, is this a cute little program from New Life Church? Man, I hope not, or we're shutting the doors down. Good grief. I hear kids joining this program, and they're like, I just, I, I just want, you know, something that's just kind of like being for, develop some friends and someone to push me. Oh. I feel like puking on your face. If that's what this has become, then let's shut the doors, man. Let's go. Let's figure. No way. The reason why we have gathered, the reason why we've come together, the reason why this exists, this does not exist as a cute little program to kind of just help you develop some spiritual discipline. Oh, if that's all that it is. No, it has not one. You go, well, something's better than nothing. No, no, no. No, the reason why we come together, the reason why we have strength is we're believing that we're going to unite around this man, Jesus, and whatever he calls us to, we're going to do. And this thing better develop some more vision than just what Dan casts or Justin casts or something like that. Our hope and our prayer is that out of these accountability groups and out of these friendships, whole movements and ideas are birthed. Nations are influenced. You see, you getting together with your, your little tribe, your little group of people, it's not so much about you. I know. Some of you think, well, I really joined because I wanted someone to hold me accountable and I, wa- I, I wanted to, you know, stop doing some bad things and, and if I didn't, you know, I might do drugs or, you know, play Nintendo because those are equal in my book. Just kidding. You know, listen, listen to what Paul says. Listen to what Paul says. First Thessalonians, he says this. He says, we loved you so much. This is First Thessalonians 2.8. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you have become so dear to us. Do you know, when you're in this account, why is everybody leaving? This is crazy. Everybody, everything all right? All right, okay. First Thessalonians 2.8. Look at me. Here we go. When Paul says this, he's saying it's, it's, more, than just, it's more than just an idea. It's more than just... The gospel, it's more, he goes, we, we, we share with you our lives. And when you look at the life of Jesus, when you look at Jesus, and Jesus decides that though he's God, he's going to become a man. He's going to come to the earth. He's going to live perfectly. He's going to crush sin and Satan forever. He's going to die in our place for our sin that we can spend eternity with him. 
He's going to literally die, raise from the dead, come back and ascend to heaven, sit on a throne forever and ever, and then come back for his people one day. Jesus could have just, it seems like Jesus could have just come and, and maybe, you know, done his deal, been perfect, become the sacrifice. But the, Jesus does this interesting thing along the way. He's constantly, constantly sharing his life with a little tribe of men. Jesus shares his life. Jesus takes him on mountains when he's going to pray and, you know, Moses and Elijah are going to have to show up. Jesus takes some of his buds when he's going to go and pray on a mountainside. Jesus takes his friends when he goes to heal the sick. Jesus takes them. We know him as disciples. But that's become such Sunday school language. We don't get the reality of Jesus comes and he shares his life with people. And the nature of him sharing his life with people transforms their life. Are you with me? And him sharing his life gives them mission, and purpose, and reason, and definition, and understanding. You see, Christ in you, you've said yes to the finished work of Jesus on the cross, and you are a believer. You are a Christ follower. You don't, you don't exist in these accountability groups just so that someone else can hold you account, accountable. I've watched it. I've watched it for years where people are, they get an accountability group, and they're like, okay, leader, good luck. See if you can up, open up this cold, dull, frustrated, irritated, victimized heart. And the leader is just as broken as you are. And you sit in the accountability group and it's like you develop some kind of victory by you pulling back and being withdrawn. No. No. The nature of the accountability group is not so that you can sit there and try to with, restrain yourself and have the, the, the leader, like a broken record, ask you questions. The idea is that you get the privilege and the opportunity. We create an environment where you get to share your life with them. Where by nature of what God is doing in you, you have three or four people around and you say, here's what God is saying to me in 1 Thessalonians. Here's what the Lord showed me when I was at work today. Here's what the Holy Spirit is teaching me. Here's the strength. Here's, and all of a sudden, you become a funnel of the life of God to the people in your group. And they gain by your existence. They, somebody on the earth benefits by your existence. See, it's a great privilege to give your life, to give, to give your heart, to open up. And so you start to share your life just like the man Jesus did. Oh, Jesus loved his disciples. Jesus, I mean, he spent time with them. In John 17, the high priestly prayer, before he goes to the cross, he prays for them, and he prays for them specifically. It's like, I pray for those you've given me. He prays for them. He loves them. He talks to them. He's really, he's got intricate storylines going on with each one. He's talking to Peter, and he's telling Peter, okay, Peter, I know you think you're all this, but hey, hey, Peter. Hey, Peter, I know you think you're strong, but before the rooster crows, hey, you know, you'll deny me three times, and, then he appear, reappears to him in John 21. John the Beloved, he's got this dynamic going on where he, John's the Beloved. He's kind of like a kid brother to him. Oh, you can just find it. He's got different, he's got real relationships. It's real. And those men are absolutely changed and transformed and then become missionaries to the ends of the earth and actually start the church because Jesus shared their life with them. You see the great privilege that you get? I know. 
I'm all for you. You get to share your life for the lost. And I want that. We'll hit that like a broken record later. But right now in the community of faith, you get to share your life and make the people around you better. That means that the more that God does in your heart, in your quiet time, it's not just for you. You're not just a consumer Christian going, God, give me stuff. So my heart can be alive. God, give me stuff. My heart's alive in the process. I get it and I share it. It comes into me, funnels out to other people and God does stuff in them. You don't just get it to keep it. You get it to share it. You get it to make that group. Every single one of these accountability groups, you don't build rivalry. I'm going to start saying stuff because I've been here for 10 years and I can say what I really think. I, I don't want, I don't want to build camaraderie around, uh, uh, around, you know, set up these little groups and we build camaraderie around, well, this is the name of our group, or this is the color of our group, or this is the thing about our group, or this is the hobby that our group does, and this is, no, no, we're the body of Christ. What we unite around is Jesus, and what we talk about is Jesus. We don't need to fake it like the world does. And Well, we're the NFC West, well, we're the AFC East, and we reunite around. No, trick all that. Here's who we unite you. In your little accountability groups, you've got God doing stuff, and this is the group where the Lord is speaking this, and this is the group that we're doing this, and we're going to this hospital, and we're reaching these people, and this is the group that we don't know why, but the Lord is leading us to adopt this orphan home and to do this kind of thing, and that's what defines us. Not a color, not an idea. Not a fancy name. Not the recreational thing that we do. It's not it. David, that's just fun. And it's just, oh, no, 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 no. Come on, come on, come on. We say that, and then that really is the identity that we have around it. And it, we build more identity around that than we do the life of God in our midst. So let's swing the pendulum a little bit. Let's swing it back a little bit, and let's just be a people. And I'm not picking on any ministry. I'm, not, I'm just talking about us right here. For us, for right here, for this month, for October, November, and December of now. I don't, want, I don't want the excitement when we go on tour. I don't want, my hope is that it's not like we're Midwest, and we're West Coast, and the, the excitement of the West Coast is we got the beach, and the Midwest is like we got, you know, the tacos. I don't know what you get in the Midwest, but <laughs> the corn. I, I don't want it to be about the geography. I don't want it to be about, you know, well, we got to visit uh, L.A. and, oh, cool, because we got to visit, you know, uh, Wichita or something, or wherever you're going. I don't, I don't want it to be that. You know, here's what it is. This is what the Lord is doing. This is what God spoke to us. We were in this city, and God did this. We were in this city, and we prayed for this kid, and this happened. We were praying for the salvation, and we saw this, and this, and this. And this. What unites us? What, what, is our, what unites us? Isn't even the geography of where we're going. It's what God is doing in our midst. We're united around Jesus. We got, it, we got a mission around Jesus. And it's not theory. It's not. I, I think, honestly, one of the greatest seasons of my life was in high school, united around guys. We had, we had a mission of our, of our public high school. I mean, to this day, I think, I, I, I think it's, the, it's my most, it's the, the time where I was most alive on mission. Because it was so tangible. We're just right there. It was just there's only these 2,000, 2,100 high school kids on this campus, and we've got this amount of time, 
God. I just love it. And I, I just remember connecting on what God was doing in such a, such a viable, real way. Friends, you, these little tribes, these little accountability groups, these little holy clubs, these little look at them like they're your homework like it's some leader that we've appointed to beat you over the club with a holiness hand and say hey you know stop sinning sucker that's not it and your privilege your joy is to be the light of God to those people I don't care if you're the leader or not you're the, you go this is what God is doing this is what's alive and you share stories and you share scriptures I'll tell you, one person alive in each group will force the group to move forward in God. One person. And listen, this furnace, we don't care how big this is. I just, I gotta tell you. I gotta tell you, I don't care if people drop like flies. That doesn't matter to me. We have no buildings to pay it for. We have no, nothing. We just, it's just us. Come or go. I want us to we have no ulterior mission on this. Let's just be, how far can we go? How much can we love? How filled with Christ in us can we be? That's a song, isn't it? How far will you let me go? How much will you let me love? Anyway. <laughs> Is that, oh, that's Misty, huh? I thought it was Bono. Um, that's who we want to be. That's where we want to live. So, so I want to encourage you don't look at these groups to try to live this life pursuing Jesus don't look at them as what you, can you get from them what can you give how can you be a burning ember that's what A.W. Tozer says though my fire is not big it is yea three tall and there may be some who could light their heart about what can you do for me it's what can i do for you because christ transforms you you gain greater capacity to help and serve others you go dude i don't want to be in the accountability group god's calling me to be like a prophet to the nations and i'll just lose huge dreams i'm so, it's so funny to watch these guys that have these huge dreams they're like god's calling me to do these great things i don't want to be in this accountability group and i'm like you can't even start here good luck sucker you're hosed ain't no way Ain't no way you fulfill that mandate on your life when you won't even when you won't even when you won't even open up with a group of three guys that want to follow Jesus with you because you're looking at the crowd and you can't see three. Start here. Start now. Pray here. Pray now. Get your heart alive before God here, and let those people in your group in the present tense benefit. 
we're thinking so far down the road that we miss now, today. Today those guys need to experience and know God as a result of your life, as a, as a result of you. That's what Henry Nouwen talks about in this book, Clowning in Rome. He talks about how literally spending time alone with God as the community of faith, that we develop a burning heart so that when we come together, it's like burning embers that come alive, and it's the bonfire, it's life. We gain strength from the fires that all of us have individually with God. That's cool. This is your privilege to give. This existed in Paul. It says in Romans 1.11, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. I long to be with you so that you can give me something so that I can lean on you guys because I'm just... I need an accountability group because I have a big you know, problem with pornography and I just need some male accountability leader to you know, threaten me if I do it again. It's a lesser value. It is a value. It's a lesser value. But what's the great value? So that I can impart something and make you strong. The burning heart of God drops seed into my heart. And my heart is burning. Philippians 4.1, therefore, my brothers, you, you whom I love and long for, you who I love and long for, my joy and my crown, others, Paul, come on, man, people, yeah, my joy and my crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. 2 Timothy 1.4, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy, I gain joy by just being with you. Philippians 1a, I long for you, I, I, sorry, how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ. See, friends, this thing, when, when, you start to, when you start to give your life away, you start to get from God, you become the funnel, you share it with others in these accountability groups. Not only do you make them stronger, but you start to gain Christ's heart for them, and you love them, and you care for them in a very unique way. You're on, you're, you, and over time, you, you develop like-heartedness. And the Holy Spirit does one thing in one person, all of a sudden you watch a whole tribe of people, and they're all on that mission. They're all, they're all, they're all fulfilling that goal. And I want to encourage you, these, these little groups... look at them like homework don't look at them like oh hey what's up yeah you fake it no that's that's your privilege not not for someone to try to pull something out of you no that's your opportunity to do it if you'll do that i know requires vulnerability that's your joy yeah but david i've been hurt so many times i hear some people say i'm not i don't believe in the in the in the, that accountability group thing because some of those people are going to hurt me. Yes, they're going to hurt you. I mean, my prayer, my hope is that, is that as many as possible are loved and cared for. But of course they're going to hurt you. Look what Judas did to Jesus. It's part of the gig, man. Part of the gig is that you are sharing your life 
and loving them and blessing them. It's going to take care. You're going to have to love them, take care of them. But what happens is over time you start to you start to authentically care for them. You just do. I remember the first time that uh, Mike Beard recommended Tyrell Conant to be a men's accountability group leader in the furnace. And I said, the snowboarding guy? Really? Tyrell? But then you know what happens? Tyrell starts coming to Denny's with us. Tyrell becomes a leader. We heats around the table. And my heart connects. And I care. I just care. It, it happens for you. You get around that and you start to care for them. You start to care about their lives. And even some of their mission in God you get to help shape a little bit. Why? Because Christ is alive inside of you. And that's attracting anybody. Come on, friends. This, is, this, this isn't church here tonight. You didn't, we, don't, we don't do this meeting like this is church. and everybody. No, this is a group of leaders that are, have, been, have set aside time to move here, to pray, to pray in a prayer room by yourself, pray here in this meeting, read your Bible, study God, read books together, get on buses and or get on vans and go, you know, breathe fire on kids across the country. This isn't Sunday school. But we can't make you. We can't make you be fiery. You got to take your heart. And you got to, even in the hard moments, I'm going to serve that sucker in my group that is so arrogant. Here's what's easy to do. He's arrogant. <laughs> or he's arrogant. <laughs> Trust me, I know. I've done both. It's going to require you being vulnerable. It's going to require sacrifice. Of course. Sacrifice your time. Sacrifice your money. But I want to encourage you guys. You'll do it. You watch. You watch. The Lord will do something in the DNA of your group. Everybody begins to just give. And, 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 and ideas, um, mission, focus, concepts will kind of form who you are. And literally, in that furnace, in that hot place, you'll form the best friends of your life. You'll find people of like heart. And my prayer is that a decade from now, we're flamethrowers all across the country. They're spending time with Jesus every day. Leading a prayer movement somewhere, somehow. I don't care if you're by yourself washing dishes in a Denny's. And you're just like Brother Lawrence, man, just praying it up. Or if you're leading some massive prayer movement in stadiums, like a Luingo, rocking back and forth, and spitting on people. Well, I don't know what it looks like. But what the common bond is, we've got a mission, we're united around Jesus, and if we'll give ourselves over and over and over again in these groups, the fire that's in that dental Meyer gets unleashed in this room. The fire that's in these groups, the fire that's in each other, the fire that gets in me, the fire that's in me gets in them. And together, united, we become stronger. Divided. Isolation, fearful, we become weak. 
You've just heard one of the speakers from Desperation, a ministry of New Life Church in Colorado Springs. For more information on becoming a Desperation intern, attending one of our conferences, or joining the Desperation National Network for local churches, visit us at desperationonline.com.